All right, welcome in to another edition of Gibbs Knows Best. It's a podcast by The Average Joe. For The Average Joe, talking all things Detroit sports, including Michigan and Michigan State sports. But on today's show, I kind of want to open up and address Super Bowl 55. I mean, it's the it's the Monday following the Super Bowl, so we have to talk about it, right? My initial thoughts after this game, complete shock. Did anybody expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go into this game and just absolutely blow out the Kansas City Chiefs? 31-9, the final score. Tom Tom Brady, did he find a fountain of youth? Seriously, I mean, the guy looks great for his age, 43 years old, three touchdown passes in the game. Patrick Mahomes, what happened to him? Have we ever, we've never seen Patrick Mahomes play this bad in his in his entire career. Threw the ball 49 times in the game, didn't get into the end zone once, he was picked off twice, and hats off to Todd Bowles and that defense from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They completely dominated the line of scrimmage from the get-go, had Patrick Mahomes running for his life the entire game, and they forced turnovers. This is, it's just something we've never seen before with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. One thing many won't take from this game is how Tampa Bay won this game. Running the ball, playing good defense, it's still the biggest factor in being successful in this league. I'll take those things over your bright, shiny Corvette-like offense any day of the week. I mean, look at how well Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones played. Over five yards a carry in this game. Constant pressure from Shaq Barrett in this game. Tampa Bay's defense just took away the big play from the start of this game. Kansas City, they thrive on the big play with Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, the speed on that team. They thrive at throwing the ball down the field. Travis Kelsey still had a pretty good game. I mean, 10 catches over 100 yards, but he didn't get in the end zone. That's the biggest thing. They, they just took away that element of the offense and... Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, they didn't know what to do. It's just something we have not seen from anybody. That Nobody's had this kind of success against this offense, being able to shut them down. This game, honestly, it cements Brady's legacy. There's no more talking about who the best of all time is. I know there's... Somebody had uh, <laughs> reached out to me on social media, one of my friends, Andrew. He said it wasn't a conversation before this year. Brady was the best of all time before this year. But there there were, I, I still see out there the people that try to argue it. There's no more arguing this. Seven Super Bowl titles, 10 Super Bowl appearances with a new team being able to go to the Super Bowl in his first year with a new team. And I listen, I'm not even a Brady fan. And I'll say with confidence that he's the best of all time and nobody is in in a tier that's below him. Brady's at the top tier and everybody's at least three or four below him. Nobody's close to him. Seriously. The guy's phenomenal. It was fun to watch last night. He completely led the way. I wouldn't say he put the team on his back by any means because of how well they were able to run the ball and how well that defense did last night to set them up offensively. But I mean, took command of this game. It just kind of shows that experience in this game was the biggest factor. Yes, Mahomes and the Chiefs have been there. They were there last year. They won. They were in a conference title game the year before. But once you take away the big play element from the Kansas City Chiefs, what do they do? This will be a, a really good learning lesson for this team because many many talk about Patrick Mahomes. A lot of people don't realize he's only 24 years old. The guy has so much more time to grow and learn in this game. This year's Super Bowl will be one of the biggest for him. How do they respond to this type of loss? It was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing loss for this team. I think this year, the Chiefs really need to focus on defense in the draft. They need to find more defensive play. Yeah, they have Tyron Matthew. Yes, they have Chris Jones. They have... Frank Clark as well in the defensive line, but they need to find another defensive playmaker 
to complement those guys on that side of the ball. I think they need to find somebody in the secondary too, somebody that can just completely lock down an opposing team's best receiver. The offensive line didn't play well for them, but a lot of injuries there. That's an element of the game that could be different next time around for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I honestly, they're going to be back. Everybody knows they're going to be back at some point. They're, they're too good to not be back in this position at some point in the next year or two. If I had to bet right now on which of the two teams that were in the Super Bowl this year will would be back the following year, I would still put money on the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is too good. Tyree Kill is too good. Andy Reid is too good. <laughs> in the way that guy has been able to evolve as a head coach in the NFL over the past 20 years is amazing to me. But this definitely cements the legacy of Tom Brady. He's the best of all time and nobody can touch him unless Patrick Mahomes, because he is still very young. I, I would not count him out of that equation just yet because he's so young and has so much more time to achieve what Tom Brady has achieved in his career. That's Super Bowl Sunday. It was fun, I guess. It was fun for Bucks fans. It was fun for Tom Brady fans. There's a lot of Brady fans out there. So honestly, I'm happy for you guys. And as a Lions fan, I hope my team can get to this position at some point. And it seems like through the offseason, they're taking tremendous steps to change the face of the franchise, which I that's that's all I can ask for as a Lions fan. Let's refocus back on the state of Michigan and what's going on here. Spartan Hoops, <laughs> are, are they playing basketball this year? I, I don't know. No, they're playing so poorly this year. And it's something that a lot of state fans my age have never witnessed before. This team is on the verge of missing the NCAA tournament under Tom Izzo, really? We've never been able to say that before as Spartan fans. I mean, can this team find a way to turn their season around? They snapped a four-game losing streak over the weekend against Nebraska, but they're by far the worst team in the Big Ten, so beating them is nothing to... <laughs> nothing. It's There's no reason to take credit in beating Nebraska in basketball. And they have another favorable matchup coming up tomorrow night against Penn State. Is this an opportunity for them to change the narrative this season? Is it a chance for them to kind of bounce back? Who knows? They still have a, a, a few tough games down the stretch. We'll talk with Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal about the Spartans. We'll also talk a little bit about National Signing Day. That was last week and how the Michigan State Spartans did and how Mel Tucker did with his first full recruiting class as the Spartans head coach. We'll also talk about the Detroit Pistons. Clearly, they're in rebuild mode, which is completely fine with me and most Pistons fans, most reasonable Pistons fans out there. It seems like for the past decade or so, they've just wanted to retool and come back and be a great team right away, which is completely impossible. It really is. I'm just happy we have a general manager that sees a team that needed a complete overhaul and trading Derrick Rose on Sunday as part of that overhaul, realizing that we have an aging point guard that he's not going to be a part of the future if you're looking five years down the down the road when this team's probably going to be competitive again they got a young guy Dennis Smith Jr. and a pick for him which is fantastic in my opinion but we'll talk with Kuka Hill he's from the Detroit Bad Boys they're the SB Nation affiliate for the Detroit Pistons we'll talk about the trade with Derrick Rose we're also going to talk about Jeremy Grant he's been the lone bright spot on this team this year we traded for him in the offseason many were very skeptical of this deal right away but he's averaging 24 points a game which is fantastic fantastic he's he's the star on this team and he he should be on the all-star team this year he should the guy's playing phenomenal on a very bad basketball team we're also going to address the elephant in the room that is Blake Griffin are, are we just going to have to accept this version of Blake Griffin for the remainder of his time in Detroit his numbers are way down and it's just crazy to me how much he's fallen off over the past two years it really is but we'll, we'll get into all that with Kuka Hill from the Detroit Bad Boys but coming up next I'm going to talk with Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal here on Gibbs Knows Best all right welcome back into Gibbs 
Gibbs Knows Best, a podcast by The Average Joe for The Average Joe, talking all things Detroit sports, Michigan and Michigan State sports included. And in this segment, we're going to focus on Michigan State Spartans, Spartans hoops. They're back in action after three weeks off because of COVID concerns. And it was also National Signing Day last week for the football program. On today's show, I have Graham Couch. He's from the Lansing State Journal. You can find him on Twitter at Graham underscore Couch. And Graham, before we dive into all things Michigan State Spartans. I got to get your thoughts on last night's game, Super Bowl 55. Yeah, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't as impressive as, as, as a you know as an exhibition of. I, I wanted one of the great showdowns of all time between two great quarterbacks, and it, it didn't happen. But there's beauty in that too, I guess. Tampa was pretty ferocious, and to see a team do that to the the Chiefs. That said, I I would have loved to see the Chiefs at full strength, and you're missing both your tackles, and you have an injury at the end of the AFC Championship that you know costs you your best tackle and protector of Patrick Mahomes you see the effect on that and how much he had to scramble but still I mean it's what the what the uh, Bucks became was was impressive all right you can find his podcast also Graham Couch it's called Couch and the Rube you can find that wherever you get your podcast Graham Spartans hoops they're in a position that many people my age have really never experienced. Uh, they're not very good this year. On the verge of missing the NCAA tournament for the first time to what since since the Vietnam War. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> it's been quite some time since Michigan State hasn't been in the NCAA tournament. In your opinion, what's been their biggest problem this season? Well, they're missing you know two. They're not, they're not strong at two areas, and that's point guard and and uh, and center. And and the the thing is, it's sort of like a baseball team. If you're not strong up the middle, it's very hard to win without steady, solid at least point guard play. And they have not had that. And then in rim protection, and have in in this Big Ten with this these types of centers that they're facing, and they haven't even really faced the the best of them all that much yet. Uh, that's difficult. And so you know, you also had a lot of new. They had a lot of guys back, but you had a lot of new guys in new roles after you lose the identity of your program, like Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. And you, what you didn't get was the summer offseason. I've had coaches talk to me about this. If you look around the country and the teams that are struggling, and there are exceptions to this. Um, the University of Michigan is one of them that's done it pretty well considering how many new parts and new roles that they have and the way the transfers have, have worked in the backcourt and everything. But if – if you look around the country at Duke struggling, Kentucky struggling, it's not like these programs recruited any worse than they ever had. It's that what you didn't get was an off season that that summer run, those pickup games against each other at you know in June, July, August, where that's where pecking orders are formed. Guys learn how to play with each other. Guys learn who's good, who's not, who does what well. Chemistry is built, and then you have two months of practice in September and October, and th- those were lost. And this was a team that desperately needed that. And so I think that hurt because you needed Rocket Watts to become a point guard, and you, you tried that, and you needed to establish a pecking order with the big. So I think there are a number of factors. Um, but the, the big problem is they don't have a guy who right now is a number one for them. They have a, you know, a couple guys, especially Aaron Henry, who's a great complimentary piece, be a good number two just about anywhere. Uh, but when you ask a guy who's a number two to be your number one, and when you've got enough different guys struggling, you know, Rocket Watts struggles, I think have really hurt them. Uh, it, you know, and then you get a, the you combine that with just what's a vicious Big Ten this year. Um, it, it's it's a bad combination. You mentioned Rocket Watts a couple times there. He excelled down the stretch of last season. Became 
I mean, maybe their number three option at one point, but just how well he played in those final like five or six conference games. And now it looks like he's completely regressed this season. What do you think his biggest problem has been? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's, you know, you don't get the off season to develop into what you need to be. You know, he, he, he felt enormous pressure to replace Cassius Winston. And that's a hard thing to do for anybody. And, you know, and I don't think Michigan State did a great job of, you know, he's not Cassius Winston. And there are things he does that Cassius Winston can't do. And you have to, you know, I think sometimes build what you do around the pieces you have. And I don't know if that's been done all that well. But again, this was, this was you know, things were put together in short order. And there were signs early on against Duke, for example, uh, that, that he was going to be okay. Um, but, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it it looks like it's in his head a little bit. I, you know, Michigan State had a pretty quick trigger with him early on when they go back to Foster Lawyer. I think one of the mistakes that might have been made, and, you know, this is one of those seasons at the end of it with hindsight and is it will be interesting to sort of break down, is do you just go 30 minutes a game all in with, with Rocket Watts at the point guard, live with it until he gets it, give him a true chance. And I don't know that they ever really did that. And so... Um, I think that's part of the issue, and and they, you know they've got a glut of guys at that position. So once he struggled, you know, and you bring AJ Hogard into the mix, now there are fewer minutes, and um, he just he looks like a guy who badly needs to deconstruct his game a little bit in the off season. In a season full of negatives for this team, Graham, what's one area you can point to right now as a reason for optimism going forward? Yeah, no, I, I, like this season, you know, I would say there's you know there's mild hope in that they've you know when they played well and for a few stretches like you go back to what they found a little bit of that nebraska game the first time and then beating Rutgers soundly and then the first half against purdue looked like they found something a little bit and then they had the long break so maybe they do again um and it, it is always often i've written seasons off for dead later than this uh and, and Izzo has found it and so you know you don't want to rule them out getting to the tournament they probably have to go five and five uh the rest of the way to really be on the bubble uh, but in terms of the program, I, I mean, I would have zero concern at all. I mean, they've just won three Big Ten titles the year before this. He has his best recruiting class ever coming in next year. Uh, I just don't, you know, and, and we'll see what, what's around it and, and um, you know, which guys stay and, you know, what, what there are as complementary pieces. But this is very different than, say, you know, in 2013-14, they had this year where they were uh, um, really, really good. Uh, but there was immense pressure because he was missing out on a lot of recruits at that point out of the Chicagoland area, Jabari Parker, Julie Okafor, Tyler Eulis, and so on and so forth. And so people felt like it had to be done then, and he had lost his touch in recruiting. But since then, that sort of changed. And, um, you know, I think the fact that they might miss the tournament this year after 22 straight tournaments, uh, which is, I think, Izzo considers his greatest accomplishment. I mean, it's your baseline of success. I mean, your worst years, you're making the tournament. Uh, I am old enough to remember the last time they did not, and um, you know, in his, his second year in 1997. And so, I mean, the, the, the fact that it's been that long, and, and many people who are fans don't have any frame of reference. Uh, you know, the, the other thing that can be, if you're looking for a reason to enjoy this season, if this team can get something going a little bit, and if they can win enough games to be on the bubble in the final 
couple weeks. There can be some enjoyment in that. I think one of the years that MSU fans enjoyed the most that wasn't a Final Four caliber team was 2007, I want to say. And it was the year they squeaked into the tournament as a bubble team with Drew Neitzel sort of leading the way as a junior. And that early on, the program was secure. People weren't worried about the future. They knew they had a good recruiting class coming in, much like this. And yet there was this sense of, uh, you know, togetherness and let's try to get this team into the tournament. And when they beat number one Wisconsin that year, there, you know, that was a big deal. And, and people, I think, were able to enjoy that team as something different. And I'll be curious to see if that happens. Once expectations shift, do people understand this isn't a team that's going to make a national title run. But there is something significant to keeping the tourney streak alive. I, I do think there's um, a chance to enjoy the end of the year in a different way. We're talking MSU hoops with Graham Couch, and he sneaks in a Drew Neitzel reference. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. Final question for you as we wrap up this segment. National Signing Day for college football was last week, and on the surface, it looks like another underwhelming class of recruits coming to East Lansing. They're ranked 43rd nationally, 10th in the conference. What is your assessment of this group, and is there any particular player that fans should really take note of going into 2021? Well, yeah, it's not a group that you look at and go, wow, they, Mel Tucker instantly pulled in a, a top 20 class with you know a handful of four stars or something like that. It, it's it's a group that you know is, is a wait-and-see group, much like many of D'Antonio's classes. Uh, says the Keon Coleman get late, I think was was a, a good get, uh, but he lost both his big, you know, his four star running back and his four star D tackle and D tackles especially are hard to hard to find. Running backs are kind of a dime a dozen. I wouldn't, uh, I'm not saying they aren't important to have good ones, but you can find one in other ways, and they seem to have done that with Joiner in the transfer from 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 Auburn. But um, D tackles are harder, and you're going to have to start getting those kids and. You know, you, you saw late when with the 2016 class with D'Antonio when they took a chance on a kid like Austin Robertson, who he never should have had in the program. You know, there, you don't you do that because that's a defensive tackle. You don't do that for a corner or a receiver. Those guys are the hardest positions to get. So we'll see where this develops. I don't think there's, you know, with, with, with Tucker, it's, it's hard to judge a coach his recruiting until a couple years in, especially this weird year, it's hard to judge the on-field results really till at least year three, year four is when they have most of their own guys. And it's a patient process in an impatient world. So it's, it's a, um, but it's definitely not a recruiting class that blows you away. It's a wait and see. And did they find the right guys that fit? And, you know, there were classes, the two classes that Michigan state built its run with D'Antonio on really were 2000, they'll say nine, but really 10 and 11. And, those classes were, were good classes, a little bit better than this um, on paper. But, uh, you know, the, Darquez Denard and, and you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell were basically two-star kids at the bottom of that class. And so who you find and how they develop, and, 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 and so some of that stuff, you know, you wait to see. But, but, yeah, certainly on paper it doesn't blow you away. That's Graham Couch. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Graham underscore Couch. All things Michigan State sports at the Lansing State Journal. And he has a podcast, Couch in the Rube. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Graham, thanks for joining me today. Anytime, Travis. All right. Welcome back in to another segment of Gibbs Knows Best. It's a podcast by the average Joe for the average Joe talking all things Detroit sports, Michigan and Michigan State sports included. And I mentioned earlier that I haven't gotten a chance to really talk about the Detroit Pistons at all since I brought the podcast back to start the new year. And 
And who better to join me than Kuka Heel? He's from the Detroit Bad Boys. They're the SB Nation affiliate for the Detroit Pistons. He also has his own YouTube page. That's Koo's Ballroom. Subscribe to that on YouTube. And Koo, I, I got to start this off with a, a question about the Super Bowl. I mean, it's the Monday after the game. What were your initial thoughts and reactions following Tampa Bay's dominant victory over the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, you know, I'm a Tom Brady fan. So oh, boy. I, I, I was absolutely enjoying the hell out of the Super Bowl. Like, I've done change. Like all my little profile pictures on like my Xbox, on my on my apps, all of them are Tom Brady holding up the Super Bowl champion. Uh, so like I, I enjoyed it a lot. I can see why people uh, kind. I think people some people are calling it boring. I can see why some people would call it boring because it was such a dominant win by the Bucks, or like it was never close or like any suspense or anything. But you know, as a Tom Brady fan, it was. Very fun for me to see his team dominate in such a fashion. I brought you on here to talk about the Detroit. We could sit your dog all day long about the Super Bowl. Yeah, but, um, I brought you on here to talk about the Detroit Pistons because I haven't really got a chance to dive into this team since I brought the podcast back for the new year. And to kind of start this conversation, Koo, what are your thoughts on the Pistons through their first 23 games to start the season? You know, I've had some people ask me that question, and it's always hard for me to answer it in this type of season. Because, like, what am I supposed to say? Like, yeah, they suck. Um, but, <laughs> but like, so, like, if you're asking for, like, a more, like, like in-depth question, like, to answer everything about the Pistons, yeah, they suck, and they kind of plan to suck. But the way they suck, I guess, has been better in, than previous years. They're competitive in every game, basically. They're playing really hard. Um I mean, I think I think the overall point is that they suck and they're going for the top draft pick next year, which is, I mean, this is a rebuild. Um, I mean, there's a, there's other tiny things that go on with them that which I'm sure you're probably going to ask me about later on. But like, if someone just comes up to you and says, like, I'm sure everyone doesn't want to hear about, oh, did you hear about the second round picks or the the, the little three million cap space we saved on with this? Or if you did, like, no one, someone comes up and asks you, that no one wants to hear about that. So if someone just comes up to you and says. How are the Pistons doing? What's going on with the Pistons this year? Yeah, they suck. They're trying to get a top lottery pick, trying to get the top pick in the draft, and hope uh, this rebuild goes well by getting a top draft pick. I guess you could point to one bright spot on this team being Jeremy Grant. He's he's played so well for this team. He had a lot of skepticism coming into Detroit. A lot of people that questioned Troy Weaver a little bit with acquiring Jeremy Grant. I mean, he makes $20 million a season, right? How has he like reshaped his game to be the star of this team? Well, I just want to say the criticism for Weaver and for Weaver, I understood the. Cri- let me let me backtrack that a little bit. The criticism was like you could understand it, but I think a lot of people took it way too far. Like I guess I should say like the better way to say it is having questions about it or just like wondering about whether it would work was fair, but the criticizing that was happening before he even had played a game was a little wild to me. And I, I said that at the time. And then also people start getting really out of pocket with Jeremy as well, like calling him stupid for leaving Denver for a Pistons team that's going to be trash and he's not even going to do good because he's never shown the ability to be able to do anything more, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was it was really bad. How like And Jeremy struggled in the preseason. And for a preseason where NBA fans usually don't take the preseason for anything, like and you shouldn't, everyone was taking victory laps after his first game. I think he went like... 4 or 15 or something like he, he was he was struggling really bad and people were just taking their victory laps and spamming my tl with oh see you should have never went you should have never left you should have never done this you should have never done that blah blah 
And it, it, like it was, I honestly had never seen it like that before for someone just do a preseason game. Usually people are like, oh, oh, you know, just wait for the regular season. But like Jeremy, Jeremy received a lot of unnecessary criticism before games even started that counted. And like you said, he's been absolutely absurd this season. Um, I, I was one of the people who said, let's do it. Let's see what he can do. I'm willing to see it. But even my like best dreams, I did not see this. Like this dude. Like I, I said it in one of my videos a couple of videos ago, it's like if the Pistons were a better team, we'd be talking about him as more than an all-star. Like that, that's how insane he's been. His defensive impact has been seen every game. His length over there, he gets a lot of deflections. He can test a lot of shots. Um, I actually did a, I, I wrote an article about him last week, diving into everything you just you just asked me about. It's like three thousand words long, <laughs> but but one of the things on defense is that his length and athleticism he doesn't just get it's like the majority of his blocks don't come at the rim they come on the perimeter and it's really crazy to watch because like he'll give space to people to shoot and they think they have like a shot wide open shot to take and i think the main example i used was the game against milwaukee he was going chris Middleton, and chris Middleton's a, a sniper he gave chris Middleton some space on the perimeter chris Middleton's like oh okay i'm just gonna take this shot and he literally just like expecto gadgets his arm and just like swats it and it's just like he surprises people with his length and athleticism. I think that's something that people didn't really like pay attention to when they said when he signed here because that's also what's helped him on the offensive end. He's able to. I think he also he's had an underrated handle. People didn't think he had this good of a handle, but combine that with the fact that he really only needs one dribble to get to the basket, and he's already like dunking on you. It's 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 been wild, bro. It's 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 crazy. It's definitely Jeremy Grant is probably the only reason why it's been an somewhat and, and it's hard to say that somewhat enjoyable to watch the Pistons this year because he's been he, he he's been crazy it's 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 really been good to see we have to talk about the the elephant in the room now Koo. that 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 is Blake Griffin Blake Griffin yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you know we were on the same page there it's hard to see him in the position he is right now we, we were talking about two years ago him being a borderline MVP candidate when you and I were both still over at Piston Powered the fan cited uh account for the Detroit Pistons how well he played that season and he, I mean he single-handedly was the big biggest reason they made the playoffs that season it, it, it's just tough to see where he is now compared to where he was then it, is this just the new version of him we'll have to accept as fans for the remainder of his time in Detroit sadly I, I think so um I, I've said before the season and just for everyone out there I'm only 23 years old I just turned 23 like last month so I, just to put it in perspective I wasn't like I was like what was it like seven eight eight years old seven six no like six years old something something around there when the Pistons won that championship so like I remember them winning the championship but I don't have like any fond like detailed memories of like any of their games or playoff runs or anything like that so before the season I was I, I literally talked about how Blake Griffin was probably my favorite Piston ever because just in my my time being a Pistons fan where I can like put stuff to memory and remember specific games and specific runs and ups and downs, like all that stuff. Blake Griffin has given me like the, the most enjoyable and best experience I've ever had as a Pistons fan that season. And I was, I was really pulling for him all summer. I was talking trash to people. I was, I was saying, Oh, you guys can down all you want. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my faith in him. He's going to come back. And it's just been, it's, I don't think people who even thought he was going to be like not the same thought he'd be like this. Like this is, this is like he's not even like a, a worse version of himself. He's just playing out awful as a player right now, and it sucks to see because 
I mean, we, we could go in, we could go long, all day about why I believe he's like this now, and I'd spend probably like 30 minutes just talking about Dwayne Casey, that he should have never like rode him into the ground like he did that 18, 19 year. And I also just want to remind people that at the end of that season, when they said he could play in the playoffs, they told us that, oh, his injury is something that could never get worse. He, if he plays on it, it's not going to get worse. It's just going to be hard for him to do it. Well, that was, <laughs> just, a, that was just a flat-out lie. That, that, that's, I, I'll never, I've heard that saying too many times, and I'll never believe it again because every time it's never been true. <laughs> hey, hey, man, you know what? Your ankle's broke. Go out there and play on it. it at this point, it can't get any worse. <laughs> for real, yeah. It's just it's – just, <laughs> And he ended up coming. And the crazy thing is, is when he came back and played in the playoffs, he still looked like that same Blake. And it's, it, you figure after like a year and a half off, he'd come back and look good. And it's just, I mean, I, I guess you could say the main hope is like there's two things I that if you want to just be the most hopeful possible. Uh, I guess you could say one, as the games go on, maybe he like gets more. Maybe he's not as in game shape or something, or maybe he's just really rusty, or maybe maybe as games go on, he starts to starts to get better with more with more uh, more minutes played and and etc. Or the second thing, which I've thought about myself, I I, I know like a medical guy in Sham. Uh, I don't know if anyone here listens to him and knows who he is, but. He, he I should ask him this question. I've been meaning to ask it to him, but I know a lot of times when people have an injury like this, people say the the first year back from that injury playing, they're not the same as the second year when they usually get back closer to what they were. Okay. So I mean maybe like if you want to be the most hopeful, maybe next year he looks better than this because this is his first year coming like maybe it gets better next year. I don't know. But it's it's honestly the best word to put for it is it's really sad to be honest. Like I understand people hate hate that he sucks and oh yeah you're soaking up minutes and you're ruin- you're making us lose and stuff blah blah but just it seriously is sad because he's the reason why he's like this is because he gave up his damn leg to give us a playoff appearance and it's just it, it, it really it just it's, it's sad to see with him it's 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 really sad yeah blake griffin still has one more year left on his deal he's set to make 38 million dollars next year for the detroit pistons i would love to see a farewell like a a swan song if you will for blake griffin the guy deserves it he's been nothing but a professional since coming to detroit you know he i think when he signed that deal in la he thought he was never going to leave the clippers but you know he, he he endured a difficult situation by getting traded to detroit it was a last second effort by van gundy to, to kind of make this team better and he he's done nothing but give it his all i mean kind of like matthew stafford like almost uh, how his time was in detroit how i mean he, he left it all out, out on the field that's kind of what blake griffin reminds me of he, he leaves it all out on the court no matter if he's healthy or if he's hurt most of the time he is hurt he's he's just had an injury rattled career as an nba player yeah injuries have really taken away what i mean he probably i don't know he maybe makes the hall of fame still because his how long like his prime was so good but like his before last year with the the 18 19 season with the pistons the last like fully healthy season we had for blake he finished third in mvp voting in 2014 and then so like (laughs) if if he just his injury really was just derailed by injuries and it's a shame because i mean we got to see him at his peak but we probably should have been able to see him at his peak for longer than we did all right cool to kind of finish up our conversation again here again i'm talking with uh kuka hill he's from the detroit bad boys all things detroit pistons for sb nation also follow his or subscribe to his youtube channel it's ku's ballroom talks all things detroit pistons and the nba ku the pistons are rebuilding and it was clear that this is what 
the direction of the franchise would be after last season. You know, they get a new general manager in, they trade away Bruce Brown, they trade away Luke Kennard, and now they've traded away Derrick Rose. Do you think that Dwayne Casey is the coach of the future for this team, or do you think he could even be a casualty of this rebuild? Oh, he's 100% going to be a casualty. Now, it, it probably, it's not going to happen this year. It may not happen in the summer, and it may not happen next year, but he's 100% not going to be the coach for who Troy Reaver think is, uh, like, when they start wanting to win or, like, trying to, like, take this next step towards, like, not sucking completely. I, I don't think there's any chance in hell that he has Dwayne Casey as his coach. One, because almost every time a GM comes in, unless you're, like, Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich, uh, they want their own coach. Uh, for like when they start winning so that's almost always happens I don't think I can think of an example where a coach unless you're like a high pedigree coach which Dwayne Casey isn't um, that he stays at once this happens kind of like I think the only example I can think of is, is Philadelphia with um, Brett Brown they let him stay through the process years and then he was able to stay as well when um, they got uh, Embiid Simmons and they started winning but I think Brett Brown was also a better coach than Dwayne Casey as well and he proved that but no, I don't think Dwayne Casey is, is is the future coach for this team at all. Like I said, I don't think he's going to be a casualty this year um, at all. He's definitely not getting fired this year. And I don't think he's probably going to get it in the summer either. But I think maybe at the end of the next season, he's probably gone. Um, but, yeah, I think, that's, I, th- I think that's where we stand right now with Dwayne Casey. I don't think there's any chance he's their coach of the future again that's cool Cahill. thanks for joining me today man again you can find all of his work at detroitbadboys.com you can also find his youtube page make sure you subscribe to that that's Koo's ballroom thanks for joining me sir thank you thank you for having me i do want to say one last thing to you though go ahead um i just want to say that this piston season is a struggle it is next season maybe a struggle as well but this team has finally um accepted a rebuild Troy Reaver's doing it in a unique way, but he's doing a rebuild. He wants to bring this city a good team. So you got it for Pistons fans out there who listen to this or people who aren't Pistons fans right now don't really pay attention to them. It's going to be a process, but they're actually committing to a rebuild and are trying to do it smart, trying to do it the right way instead of competing for the eighth, ninth seed every year and finishing like with the tenth pick. They're trying to do it the right way, and if they continue to play like this. They're going to have a top five pick next year in what is probably the most stacked draft class since LeBron and Camelo and Wade. So there's hope for the future. Strap in. I know it's hard right now, but it's the future. They're trying to make the future look bright right now. Let's just hope we don't get screwed by that damn draft lottery. All right. Thanks again, (laughs) Koo. Thank you. Thank you. All right, welcome back into the final segment of Gibbs Knows Best, a podcast by The Average Joe for The Average Joe, talking all things Detroit sports, including Michigan and Michigan State sports. Had a fun show today. Big shout out to both of my guests on the show today, Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal and Koo Cahill from the Detroit Bad Boys, the SB Nation affiliate for the Detroit Pistons. Talked a lot of hoops today. We also talked a lot about the Super Bowl. What a game it was, or what a game it wasn't, really. (laughs) Everybody was expecting this high profile battle between Brady and Mahomes and we just didn't get that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers completely shut down that offense all the credit goes to Todd Bowles the defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers his ability to game plan around taking away the big play from Mahomes and the Chiefs it's a big learning lesson for Mahomes it's a big learning lesson for a lot of the guys the younger players on that team and they'll be back next year This team is too good to not be back in that position next year. They were in a tier of their own all season long. Tampa Bay is one of those teams that just, they got hot 
at the right time. At one point in the season, I, I know a lot of the talking heads around the NFL were wondering if this team was going to make the playoffs. I think they were like five and four or six and five at one point in the season. And they were kind of teetering on being a, a wild card team, maybe not getting in. But anyway, they, they got hot at the right time. Brady started playing well. They were their running game got going. The defense really put it all together right at the final point of the regular season going into the playoffs. They just put it all together at the right time. And sometimes that's all it takes. You can go down the line of history in the NFL and look at teams that have done this in the past. The Giants that had two Super Bowl title runs with Eli Manning playing quarterback for them. The Seattle Seahawks in 2013 and 2014. Good defense and running the ball. I mean, that's what it comes down to. The ability to get consistently four to five yards on the ground control the line of scrimmage and then the ability to shut down the opposing team's quarterback with a lot of pressure I go back to that every time you look at a lot of the champions throughout history that's what they did I I will take the ability to run the ball and control the line of scrimmage over all of the motion and the jet sweeps and this this Corvette like offenses that that all these fans are dreaming about that they want their teams to have at some point something to kind of mirror what the Kansas City Chiefs do yeah it's great but If you look at what Tampa Bay did in this game, it was nothing spectacular offensively. They ran the ball well, they used play action, and it worked. And it worked well. If you have the ability to keep a defense guessing because you can run the ball and then counteract it with a pass, you're going to be successful every time. And that's what Tampa Bay did. I'll take that all day every single day of the week over your jet sweeps and your motion and in the speed you have on the other side of the field. I'll take that all day long. We could talk all day about the NFL and the Super Bowl and what's to come with the NFL. The offseason is now here. New coaches are in place. The draft is just a couple months away. It's going to be an interesting offseason for the NFL going forward. And I'm I'm really excited to see what Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions end up doing this offseason and how they kind of retool this team with a new front office and new regime in place. Graham Couch and I talked about the Spartans, specifically Michigan State basketball. Um, We talked a lot about this season and how it's been different for a lot of fans my age because we've not watched this team play this poorly in a long time and kind of what's gone wrong for this team. And we talked a lot about Rocket Watts and what's gone wrong with him this season and what kind of positives we can take moving forward. Graham kind of reassured me and probably a lot of Spartan fans out there that this is no reason to panic. I mean, this is it's a year where Michigan State is trying to recover from losing guys like Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. He doesn't believe there's any reason to worry about this program. They have one of the best recruiting classes coming in next season. I guess we'll see who ends up staying from this team. Aaron Henry's still on this team. He could be a big piece next year to help the younger guys grow and learn again. Malik Hall will be back next year. Rocket Watts will be back next year. That's a guy that Graham said he really thinks he needs to deconstruct his game in the offseason, which I completely agree with. That was a guy that was a rising star at the end of last season and just hasn't looked like himself this year. I can't count out Tom Izzo ever. If you're willing to sit here and count out Tom Izzo, you clearly have not watched Michigan State basketball over the last 20 years. I think this team is still capable of sneaking into the NCAA tournament this year, but this isn't a team that's going to go very far. They, they just don't they don't have the point guard play. That's That's the biggest issue with this team. They don't have a guy that's a true point guard right now. Foster Lawyer hasn't gotten it done. Hogard hasn't gotten it done. And Rocket Watts hasn't gotten it done. And 
Graham also pointed out the center position's been a problem this year for the Spartans. They don't have a guy that can protect the rim well, and they don't have a guy that's a true scoring threat at the five position. That's what's going on with the Spartans. We also talked about the Spartans recruiting class, so you're going to have to listen back to the podcast for that as well if you want to hear Graham's take on Mel Tucker and the job he did with his first true recruiting class as the Michigan State Spartans head coach. Talked with Kuka Heel regarding the Detroit Pistons and what's going on, the current state of the rebuild. We're both really excited about Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's a star. He's playing well on a very bad basketball team. He's going to be a guy that's exciting to watch once he finally has some talent around him with the Detroit Pistons. And is Dwayne Casey going to be a casualty of this rebuild? Koo certainly thinks so. It just seems like the writing's on the wall for Dwayne Casey. He's here to make sure these younger guys develop into serviceable NBA players then Troy Weaver's going to go out and get his own head coach at some point in time. I guess we'll find out the Pistons complete rebuild mode, the Red Wings complete rebuild mode, the, the Tigers complete rebuild mode, and the Lions complete rebuild mode. That's the state of Detroit sports, but hey, there's always a lot to talk about regarding our favorite teams. Join me next time here on Gibbs Knows Best.